This is the Stay Healthy Experience hosted by Robert Ferguson, Barbara Chris, and Mr. Daniel Baldwin. Yep. Who's not here again? He's always doing some movie yes, type stuff. making moves. And he's missing out because mm-hmm. you get the opportunity. And yeah. he could have. Well, he'll catch the replay. Yes. To meet a longtime friend mm-hmm. and someone in Southern California who for many years has touched so many lives and yes. is helping so many people and is, is, is running with the torch when it comes to like living the right life. And that's Mr. Lonnie McCowan. Hey. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so, so, so Pastor Lonnie, do me a favor <laughs> and... Like, how would you introduce yourself to someone like Barbara, like someone who's meeting you for the first time? Yes. I would say that uh, <laughs> um, one of the things that, uh, that I feel my purpose is here to do is to help people uh, transform their life from a, a spiritual perspective, meaning I believe that every person deep down inside, I believe there's, there's another person that very few of us ever tap into. Hmm. In fact, it's been proven that most of us just relive our life you know by the time you're 35 years old mm-hmm. a person everything they do from 30 from the time we reach 35 on everything we do from that moment on 95 percent of it is just from our memory from 35 on 35 on mm-hmm. by the time we're 35 we're programmed and the rest of our life till we die mm-hmm. we live off memory so, so wow. can you change no, you can't change <laughs> i'm so, screwed so one of the things that i do is is I, the goal is to help people realize, listen, instead of living from history, because a memory is a history, it's what happened. Mm-hmm. So instead of living from history, which we do every day, is I try to teach people to live from a perspective of destiny, going mm-hmm. after something new. There's a technique to doing that. And, and of course, I believe the, the scriptures help us do that. Mm-hmm. But if we don't do it, and most people, they never even think about it because... Because we're just not trained or taught this. Right. So that's what I try to do is help people to, to break out of the hypnotic state that mm-hmm. we all live in. It's really inspirational. It's very inspirational. Yeah. And, and, and um, like I told Lacey, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> oh, get, yeah. get her life right. <laughs> that's right. Get, you better get it right. Get Here's it the quick. opportunity for you, Barbara, to get your, your I know. Life right. I got it. I got it quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 10 years behind. <laughs> but not, I mean, so when I look at the church, for me, it's. To me, it's like the a clear illustration of how you can make the most of life. And mm-hmm. I say that because the churches who haven't adapted technology, because it's all changed yeah. with Facebook and screen times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think they're in business. I don't think those churches are open. You're right. Oh, You're right. absolutely right. But you've always been like cutting edge, innovative uh, you know, author, speaker, you know, looking for ways to take everything to the next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've watched it and you do something that I think most pastors uh, would benefit from. And that is taking care of their temple. I mean, you're always working out, mm. you know, uh, Mrs. McCowan, Kimberly is yeah. there. They, they, they make fitness a priority. That's it's a big awesome. part of your day to day. But that all being said, what have you done or what could you share <laughs> that you've continued to implement and change to help you continue to grow? As a, as a congregation. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, uh, and by the way, in the health deal, really, you are one of the reasons why I'm so health conscious is because years ago when we met and, uh, you know, you started introducing your philosophy and techniques and things that you do, it really hit hard with me and, of course, with my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, from that moment on, it just it just stuck with me. And, um, you know, I just, I think what you do is just, it's absolutely a phenomenon. Oh, thank you. And so, yeah. anyway, I, that's that's the reason. Uh, to this day, we are like we are about our health. Did nice. you Did you actually coach him? 
coach them or no i but but we we spent a lot of time together okay I mean, like okay. pastor lonnie opened up his church mm-hmm. uh, and gave us an opportunity to do work with the congregation mm-hmm. and, and invite people from the okay. community got it and you know make no mistake here i mean when i would teach my kickboxing classes <laughs> that's right i mean pastor and then Kimberly, <laughs> i mean they'd be in there throwing down that's, that's awesome right. and we did a little one-on-one stuff I, I oh yeah that's right do some one-on-one stuff. all the oh, boxing yeah. we boxed yeah, together yeah, yeah. which is great oh, yeah. that's really cool yeah it was really unique so let me see if I can answer your question. Um, I think one of the things that we try to do to stay on the edge is understand the importance of, of staying relevant. The church, in my opinion, is very antiquated. The message is sacred. I don't think a message will ever change, but the method, how we get that message out, mm-hmm. has to change. Mm-hmm. As we're dealing with people nowadays with the detention span of two and a half seconds. Right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, we're competing with a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to uh, bring fresh eyes in. Like now, my staff, my, my children are adults, mm-hmm. and they work with me and my staff, so they're like my fresh eyes. I mean, they'll tell me, hey, Dad, you don't, you can't wear that. That, you know, what do you mean I can't wear this? I always wear this. No, that's, people don't wear stuff like that anymore. <laughs> or they'll say, yeah. hey, when you were, when you were teaching, what, it, what does that mean? You know, you made reference to something. I said, what do you mean? What does that mean? So it forces me to always dig so that I could see, okay, I need to read up more, listen to things, or what's relevant. So if I'm going to use an analogy, for example, mm-hmm. then I'm talking to what's relevant instead of something in my day. Yeah. Because a lot of times we just get stuck there. So that's one of the things that I do, and I try to um, uh, keep the fresh eyes at the table, ask the questions, uh, and then most important, make the message relevant where it where it hits home where i'm saying the ancient truths in different ways so instead of teaching about the eight beatitudes mm-hmm. i might teach about eight steps to be happy mm. which is the same thing mm. then i got people's attention i just did this uh, series on solations and solations is a word that was just made up actually my daughter made the word up because i was going to teach on how to have a healthy soul she goes that's Nobody cares about yeah, that. You, you got to bring it to 2020. That's right. <laughs> so I said, well, what should I call it? And she said, Solations. So she always asks her and she puts these subjects together. So Solations is about how our soul being wounded or healthy affects every relationship in our life. Right. And when I came from that perspective, and now Solations is a term. You know, people at our church who heard that teaching. It's a it's a relevant term. Now, did mm-hmm. she get the dot com on that? Because like, you're already out. You know, because <laughs> let me tell you, we got more inquiries and hits on that than probably in the last year of any teaching that I've done. Wow. Yeah. And so in that teaching, I just talk about everybody we meet, everybody, uh-huh. according to scripture, should go into a department in our life. Like when mm. when you say this is my friend. Well, from a scripture standpoint, when you say that, there's, there's qualifications to be a person's friend. So I talk about the seven different categories. That when you meet someone, they're either going to be an associate, they're going to be an antagonizer, they're going to be a friend. <laughs> they go in a, a category, could be a family member, but you have to know where ah. they go because if not, then I will share stuff maybe with my friend, thinking it's my friend, and it's really not a friend. Maybe mm. they're my assignment. Maybe they're given to me to grow. And so this is why you don't want to push anybody away from your life. Mm-hmm. And it's taken me years to get to this place to realize you even embrace, like Jesus, Judas, who sits at your table. Why? Because there's a purpose 
for even Judas to help me grow or to get to my destiny. So you're saying you don't push them away, but maybe you put them in a different category? You just put them in the category mm. so that you will know, okay, here's the amount of energy and the amount of secrets I'm going to give to this person because they're in this category. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respect them and not disrespect them. I'm going to respect them because they're in this category, but I'm not going to treat them like a family or a friend. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, there's anyway. a place for everybody. That's right. Yeah. So I got to figure out where do I put Barbara? Exactly. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and, 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 I was like, and, and, and so. Daniel, because you know, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with that guy. Some days Daniel feels like my friend, mm -hmm. and other days I'm like, man, I wish I was, still, know, I wish I was still fighting. You love us, right? He just can't admit it. He totally loves. It. He's like these guys are the best, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> so I have like a few questions that are always in my head. And I'm thinking about it, mm -hmm. and I know that, you know. You always have great words of wisdom uh, that kind of open up doors for me to to figure out how to make it work or I guess accept it for what it is. And one, you know, we I'm big into aliens. And so I'm always watching these documentaries and movies on aliens, you know, late at night. You know, when I don't have the kids, I got a lot of time to myself and I, and I don't want to work sometimes. So I get distracted and I've been watching, like I say, aliens, aliens. And I go, I wonder if aliens are mentioned in the Bible or something that maybe speaks to the, the fact that maybe there was aliens. I don't know, does that ever, does that ever come up? Well, the, the term alien doesn't exist in the Bible, but, you know, there are people who, who've had experiences, obviously. And, you know, depending on what school of thought you come from, biblically, some people will say that some of these uh, visions that some of the apostles and what have we had, they saw some of these things and would foretell them. Let me tell you what I like to tell people whether the aliens are there or not, here's what we know. There is another world that exists that's just as real. I prove this every time there's a funeral because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's easy to prove it when someone dies. But just even here, if I, if I say to you, I, I'm going to count to three and I want you to shout as long, loud as you can, I'm a miracle, but don't open your mouth. Don't open your mouth when you say it. Okay? Mm -hmm. But I want you to shout, I'm a miracle. But don't open your mouth. Don't use any vocal cords or anything. Ready? One, two, three. Now, here's what I know. If you did that, you heard yourself shout. But here's the question. What ears did you hear with? Because scientists tell us that these ears cannot hear unless there is a sound. But there was no sound. But you heard yourself say I'm a miracle. And here's another mm. good test. What mouth did you use to say it when yours didn't open? Well, I tell people that world that you spoke, I'm a miracle. That is that invisible world. That is a world that exists. And we know it exists because you just spoke. Where, where did you speak from? Right. And if you close your eyes and think about where you lived and you're a kid, what school you went to, you, you can see the houses. You mm -hmm. can see your room. What eyes are you looking with? There's another world there that still exists. But in our world, we're only taught you know, how far up or down or sideways you can mm -hmm. see. But what about seeing inward mm -hmm. to another world that does not appear with the eyes but appear inside? Mm -hmm. And to me, when people see all these <clears> other <throat> things, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think you can see anything you want to see. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul, who was the greatest apostle in the Bible, he wrote most of the New Testament. Before he was an apostle, he was murdering Christians. He was a bad guy. He was terrible. In fact, he was on his way to murder other Christians and arrest them. 
But then he had this experience with God. He gets knocked down off his donkey, and he's blinded for three days. And after he's blinded, he sees the light. The question is, he didn't see the light with his eyes open, but he loses his sight, and now he can see. He can see what he couldn't see. So what happened, God had to take away his eyesight mm -hmm. so he could have insight, and then he saw what he missed. And that's where most people miss it because we're seeing too much with our eyes right. and not our insight. And I think when people see the aliens, see anything, whatever they want to see, people see Christ, people see Satan. I think they're looking not with their eyes, but I think they're looking inward. They're going, they're looking with the insight now. And I think that is what opens this other world up. And I think if you seek it, you'll find it. Yep, I believe that. <clears throat> it's funny, that's something that I say to, to clients when it comes to like nutrition. You know, they'll go into like a restaurant and they'll go, well, I don't think there's anything here for me. I go, stop. Think about what you just said. I said, if you don't believe there's anything there, you're not going to see anything there. Right. But if you go in understanding the diet for your life methodology mm -hmm. and you're looking for a fat burning meal, you will You'll find, find a fat burning meal. Mm. It's there. Yeah. You just got to see it. Yeah. But what happens is what we see, as you're saying, yeah. It's like we almost go in to lose yeah. instead of like to, to go into. Oh, win. like with your mindset, just just assuming like, oh, it's right. just not for me. Or even when, you know, you've seen it when we bring people like to like restaurants after we do the show mm -hmm. and we'll say, well, well, we know you don't want to go to that restaurant. Like, right. Why do people, they constantly are saying that. So we can go anywhere and eat. <laughs> we, just, we know how to eat. Or they don't order until we order. They're right. like, well, wait, what? <laughs> Actually, What's I do good? that when I'm around. Right, you're just like, I, I don't know if I'm hungry yet. What are you going to get? <laughs> and then I ordered like the, the heart attack burger. Exactly, just to, like, and they're like, ah, oh, right. And they're like, what did I miss? That must have been another another chapter. Yes. Yeah. Well, but when you have like, okay, so the world that we live in, because I'm mm -hmm. watching my daughters, mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's so different. Like, like, it's just night and day compared yeah. to my upbringing. Mm. And... I'm, th I'm seeing it seems like more people aren't going to church, or at least it appears that way. Mm -hmm. And it seems like what I saw a study the other day where they're saying 64% of marriages, like we're on our way to their ending in divorce. divorce. Mm -hmm. Man, is it is it going to take mortality to get people to wake up, you know, based on where they are now and growing older? Because let's say you grow up and you don't have God in your life. You don't have these traditions that we were introduced to growing up. Uh, you're spending all this time on screen time and on Facebook and and your self-esteem is based largely on your Instagram yeah. posts. So yeah. you have all of this going on and then mortality hits. I mean, where do they have a funeral? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. what is life going to be like for those people who grew up without a relationship yeah. with God in the church? Well, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting. Uh, you know, as a pastor, I'm at the deathbed of, of a lot of people, more than I want to be. And, uh, in fact, I'm doing a funeral this Thursday. And... Um, it was interesting uh, before this lady passed. It was, uh, you know, she might have been in her 50s, um, still relatively young, and just had a lot of aspiration and dreams. And she got to the point where she could no longer speak. I could just see her, you know, she could see me, I could see her. She could follow you with her eyes, and she mm -hmm. could answer you with her eyes, you know, blinky, one for yes, two for no. And, um, looking at her and talking to her and then flipping the coin and I've talked to people who now this girl's been in church at least this lady since I've been her pastor for years on the flip side of the coin there have been people who um, never been to church and I've been called out uh, I know a guy called me his grandfather's dying he's never gone to church 
hated preachers, hated God. I said, why do you call me? He asked for a preacher. So I go to the guy. He's in St. John's Hospital. And uh, I don't know, he's probably 80 years old, maybe, or close to 80. And uh, I'm by myself in the room with him, with him, and he looks at me. And he says some of the most interesting thing. Just blew me away. He says, I'm afraid. So older guy. Tough-looking guy, too. I said, what are you afraid of? He says, something keeps coming in this room, and it's going to take me. Mm. And when he said that, now you talk about the aliens. You talk about this other world. Right. So now, here's what we know. Something is getting ready to happen because everybody who's at that place in near death, they, they all talk about, I'm seeing something. I see my mother, or I see this, or anything. They talk about things like this. Mm. But this guy and everybody, and this has been scientifically proven. They have research on this. That people who, who have a relationship with God at death, the transition is smoother, less painful, more peaceful. People who don't, it's much harder for them to make that transition. This guy was fighting. I mean, he was so afraid. When I got ready to leave, he's shaking my hand and he wouldn't let go. He was so afraid. So scared. He was scared. Something made him that afraid. afraid. And anyway, he said this to me. He said... I wish God would give me another chance to live. Now, his, his grandson told me, I know his grandson, he's about my age, his grandson told me he never went to church, didn't like preachers, didn't like God. But now he's saying, I wish God would give me another chance to live. And I said, why? He said, because I made a big mistake. <clears throat> and everybody at their deathbed, don't care who it is, I don't care the money, I don't care the fame, I don't care what it is. None of that means anything. Mm-hmm. Because they know it, whether God is real or not, they're getting ready to find out. Mm-hmm. They're ready to cross over. And, and you don't really, I don't think you really meet what's really in a person until that point or something hits their life so hard it just shakes everything. And you realize it's not about this house, it's not about this car, it's not about whatever I'm building for. It's got to be something deeper than this. Mm-hmm. But at death, you'll find that out. And by the way, it's also been proven mm-hmm. with your health. People who go to church, they live 10 to 15 years longer than people who don't. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. That's not, I mean, I'm sure that- I tell you, like, I'm, the, the life that I'm living right now, mm-hmm. there's probably not a day that goes by that in some way or another I think about mortality. Mm. And not in, yeah. the, not in the negative. Yeah. Yeah. I just value the time I have with yeah. the, my daughters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, as you get, you know, 50, yeah. then you start seeing all these friends <laughs> pass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like left and right. Yeah. You know, last year I had six very close friends I grew up with gone. Wow. You know, and something was telling me to reach out to them like the weirdest thing. And so I've finally accepted the reality that when I hear that voice good for you to do it, because it happened twice. One of my best friends growing up, mm-hmm. I kept thinking, you know, because, you know, I see him on Facebook yeah. and he's gained some weight over the years. And actually this happened. Uh, three of them. One was a pastor. Wow. And uh, I kept his message on Facebook. He goes, hey, man, when you get to town, I got to get this weight off. And I'll probably three, four weeks later, died of a massive heart attack. Wow. Oh. And then my other buddy, Anthony Wilkerson, who I think the world of, you know, we're on Facebook. I go, dude, I'm going to be there. We're going to go eat Pizza King, which is a real popular pizza place where I grew up. Uh-huh. I, and I don't know, maybe three months later, um, I go on Facebook, RIP Anthony. Wow. I'm like, what? And what happened? They said they know he woke up uh, because he brushed his teeth. They found his toothbrush down. He had a massive heart attack, 51 years old. Wow. And then when I went back, okay, this was the third time, right? Last year I would go back 
And one of my dear friends, Harvey, he's a barber, but he was the first, like growing up, he was the first black person to be the star quarterback, you know, in high school. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm kind of giving an idea of my age a little bit. <laughs> <Right>. Way back <laughs> when. Way back <laughs> when. But Harvey Davis, I go, I'm going to go get a cut with Harvey. I can't wait to see Harvey. Mm. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was running around and I didn't go. Didn't go. And I left. The week later, he's on his motorcycle and dies. Oh. So yeah. now I don't, I'm not letting that, I'm well. not, I'm not going to not listen to that voice. You know, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. Because not long ago, um, we had, uh, I had these coach retreats. Mm-hmm. And so we had one of my coaches been with me, Dire Free Life, for 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. Her name is Judy. We call her Judy Q. Judy Q comes out here and we're, we're doing the training. Yeah. And then she sat right where you are. We shot her like a little video of her, got her makeup all good. And she's from Canada. And she got a phone call and she left, came back up. And you could see something change on her face. And they didn't tell her exactly what it was. It was her doctor. But she went back home, found out, and she had uh, colon cancer, past stage four. Wow. And two months later, you know, she's gone. Wow. But two days before she died, she called me. She couldn't even hold the phone. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, this is where you got to help me. I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, (laughs) I'm crying too now. Now we're just going to stare at you. You know, a lot of times, when, when you hear that voice that says, uh, when you hear that Thank voice you. that says, I need to contact this person, you, I believe these are um, messages that God will send us a lot of times. that I never ignore those. Years ago, I did the same thing. I would ignore them. Never now. If I get it, there's, there's something going on. And so I always reach out to the person. Uh, and it may not be that I can intervene. Maybe mm-hmm. I can. It just may be because this is it. But... Uh, I understand what you're talking about because I've had it happen many times. Yeah. So what happens to those people? Sorry. No, that's okay. What happens to those people who do hear that voice, right? The people who haven't talked to their, you know, think about Kobe Bryant, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The little bit that I know about the dynamics between the mom and dad Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. him, they weren't even talking. Yeah. And so there could have been a voice saying, call your son, get past all of this ego and, and have a conversation. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you meet those people all the time. Mm. All the time. And this is, and the reason we don't, by the way, reach out, particularly if it's because we're upset or whatever, as I was saying before we went on the air, most of the time, all of us live in this hypnotic state. We're not really present. I mean, this is a fact. With you guys, with me, everybody listening to us, when they got up this morning, everybody did the exact same thing they did yesterday morning. In the morning before that. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow morning, you're going to get, many, you're going to get out of bed the exact same way. You're not going to crawl to the other side or crawl and get out the bottom. Right. You're going to get out of the bed <laughs> the same way you got out of bed every morning. You've done this for years. You're going to either go to the restroom the same way or go make your coffee with one eye open, one eye closed, whatever you normally do. You're going to do the exact same thing. If you get on social media before you get up, you're, going, you're not going to do anything different. And here's the deal. Most people haven't done anything different since age 35. We live our life in this hypnotic state. It's not even something that we're moving towards. We have a new day, but we live the groundhog. Remember the movie Groundhog? Mm-hmm. We, we, we live the groundhog day where every day is the same. Now, I say that because that becomes your norm. Now, everybody, all of us are wired this way. Our subconscious says this is Robert's norm. 
So do you know if you get up in the morning and do something different, you won't feel the same? Why? Because your subconscious says, hey, this is not normal. Now you take the people who get up and let's say they argue with the kids every morning or argue with their mate every morning. Do you know that if whatever you do over a period of time, it becomes a habit? A habit is stored in memories. Every memory has an emotion to it that releases chemicals in our body, right? Meaning that if I run into you in the store, when I look at you, my memory says this is Robert. With that memory, there's emotions that I have to our relationship. Those emotions will be released in my body. And just by looking at you, I'll feel something. Run Good, away. bad, whatever. Run right? away. Run away or run to them, whatever, right? <laughs> so the, the, the reason I say this, you get up in the morning, if you're used to fighting with your mate or fighting with your mm-hmm. kids, or you're used to back pain, or you're used to a knee pain, <clears throat> you get up in the morning, and if that's your norm, even if it's not a good norm, it is your norm. And so you get up, let's say you don't have a fight this morning with your kid, or he spends the night somewhere, whatever, or you don't have a fight with your mate, your subconscious will say something's wrong, and you'll feel weird. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's good you didn't fight this morning, but you won't feel the same. Now, what will happen is that energy in you that's saying this is not normal is looking for a way to bring normal back to your life. Mm-hmm. And so before long, whether it's, whether it's somebody, you're, whether you're driving, whether it's somebody at the gas station, coffee, you're going to figure out a way to get into an argument because you didn't have your argument that morning. And most people don't know that this is something that's on autopilot. This has been, this has been proven by scientists. We don't even control it. If you don't think I'm, I'm correcting this, just look at your own life. Think back what you've done. I'll guarantee you to the, to the time you had your coffee, to everything, mm-hmm. It's pretty much 90 to 99% the same. Oh, you're right on. For sure. In my own life, in my client's life, and having them struggle to change. What you guys do with your weight. It's the same thing. I mean, there were so many parallels with what you were speaking to, just even with respect to weight loss and trying to change patterns, change behaviors. That's exactly right. And people feeling like they're, it's it's alien, right? When they're doing something, even though it's good for them, they're making good changes, it's alien, and they're finding that. They're trying to find ways to go back to... And, and what, what's going on what when they, they try to find the ways yeah. is their, their norm. Their norm. See, yeah, their norm. And remember, we're programmed. We're mm-hmm. programmed to this. And your subconscious is stronger than the conscience. Because mm-hmm. you, you're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. It's just happening. So what happens when a person, in what you guys do, they start to lose weight. So this, this voice, literally, and I tell people in our church, this isn't the devil's voice. This is your voice inside. Mm-hmm. It's telling you, what are you doing? This, we haven't done this. This is not our norm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the subconscious mm-hmm. has one goal, protect the norm. And this is huge because this is... Oh, I love if, that. If people don't break this limitation, they're never going to get free. Right. So th- that, that subconscious is, I'm going to protect this norm. Mm-hmm. So what it does, it will say, hey, we're used to having a donut. We didn't have our donut. And the subconscious will hound that person's conscious mind, literally like a bully beating them up, will mm-hmm. hound them and hound them until they justify. So they'll say, self, well, my parents had big bones. Or, well, you don't really need to lose. I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> and they do this until they justify. You yes. know, and they, and they eat. The reason I'm saying this is because, and I'm sure you guys know this with what you do, certainly mm-hmm. with what I do, until a person changes what's going on inside, the outside is never going to change. Mm-hmm. How do you change that hypnotic state? How do you break out of that pattern? 
The only way to break out of that is you have to now be aware, be present in this moment. I have to be present of what I'm thinking when I'm thinking it. Mm -hmm. So the biggest work is I got to work on my thinking because that is really what's controlling me. Wow. There's two, awesome. there's two things that come to mind. Yeah. One, I, I believe I've shared this with you mm -hmm. because I put what you're saying to the test with my mom. Mm. So my mom is always ready to throw down, right? <laughs> I like that. That like, I mean, she's, she's like just, bobbing and weaving. Whatever, it's, it's, just, it's who she is. She's uh -huh. ready to throw down. Oh, I like her already. And so my niece is living with her. Uh -huh. And one day, you know, because they're battling a lot, my mom calls me and I said, look, mom, this is what I want you to do. <laughs> this is exactly what I told her to do. I said, oh, I want you to, when you go home and see Shanika, I want you to smile and I want you to say, hey, how are you doing? And I want you to be really kind and say something greater. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so my mom was going, what boy? I and mean, she's like, what boy? I go, no, no. I mean, seriously, like, just talk about like how proud you are of her. And I want you to, and, I, and, and when you say it, because it's going to feel weird, I want you to look at her face. Wow. So my mom does it. And... <laughs> Shanika was just thrown way off. She, <laughs> like, she thought she was like taken over by because somebody else. That was like totally odd. It was out yeah. of the norm. It was so out yeah. of the norm. Yeah. Like, like it just threw both of them off. And, she was and like, so then my mom actually giggled afterward because wow. she's like, "Well, I don't say nice things." And and then they had a whole conversation out of it, wow. which was interesting. That's like a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. And what happened during that time? The moment <laughs> she realized that she had that, she smiled. She had a good feeling. <clears throat> Scientists say. That every time you learn something new or emotionally, you get a good feeling. Mm -hmm. A new neural pathway is created in your brain. Now, why is that important? Everything we do on memory, we have neural pathways directing us. So we have to redo the neural pathways. When I learn something new, a mm -hmm. new pathway has been developed. When I experience an emotion, meaning this, if I have a, a traumatic experience happen to me, it could be a divorce. It could be mm -hmm. a, a sickness. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. if, it ha if it hits you and emotionally affects your life, if you don't move past that trauma, then what happens, every single day, your mind, your memory, starts to think about that. And remember, every time you think about something, an emotion, emotions carry the things that we feel in our body. Mm -hmm. So now something's released in our body. And we're either going to feel good about it or we're going to feel bad about it. But these are chemicals being released. If I go over a long period of time feeling bad about it, now it starts to open the door to cancer, to high blood pressure, to all these different things that these stressors, most people, by the way, scientifically proven, live 75%, 75% of their life. Every waking moment is under stress, mm -hmm. 75%. Over a period of time, that'll kill you. That opens it up to all kinds of sickness and diseases. And so people overeat or people they will they'll have a lack of discipline because they're just stressed out all the time mm -hmm. and the real key to all of this of changing it is, is how do i rewire these neural pathways how do i change that which i believe with the scriptures talk about how you renew your mind and one of the ways think about this now when a person and you've had this happen all of us have this happen if you're dreaming you wake up you think, oh my god what happened right. okay you thought you were really in that dream well, what happened? Your brain release release the same chemicals because, as you know, your brain doesn't know if you're thinking about it or if you're if it's really happening. Right. So every time I think about that traumatic experience that happened in my life, <clears throat> what's going on? My brain is telling the systems in my body it's happening, mm -hmm. and it doesn't know that happened five years ago. 
My body is going through the same emotional and chemicals are being released the same way as if it happened five years ago. Now think about the person every day that rehearses the pain and the trauma, the hurt that they've gone through. This is the reason they can't get past it. But the good thing is, if that works the negative, it also works the positive. So what I try to tell people, and this, a lot of this happens through mm-hmm. meditation, is if I can create a good feeling in my head about whatever I want to think about, mm-hmm. if I do it enough times, repetition creates memory, then I could force, this is huge, I could force now something in my life that's different than my history. And now I'm not living day-to-day based on history. I'm creating my own destiny, meaning I do this. So if I say every morning when I get up, I got a back pain. Now, if I, if I lay down, and I already know this because it's history, you get up, you're going to feel your back pain because you summons that to come. It's, it's there. It's going to be there because a person, oh, they roll out of bed, oh, my back, oh, I'm old. So if I lay it down now and I start meditating, because remember, my mind doesn't know if I'm meditating or if I'm living this experience. So the scripture teaches that we can meditate. And if we start meditating and seeing what we want. So I always tell people, you don't get what you pray for. You don't get what you wish. You get what you picture. Mm. So if I could put the picture in my mind, and we know this Mm because there's this one account with Abraham in the Bible. Abraham and his wife was too old to have kids. And God promised Abraham and his wife, you're going, to have a, you're going to have a kid. And he was 80-some years old. But this is critical because God was going to start the whole human race uh, in terms of faith over with Abraham. And so all the major religions came out of Abraham, mm-hmm. Israel, in fact. So the reason I say this is because God told Abraham, after four, he's, he's 80 years old, he can't get his wife told to have kids. And God says, I want you to look at the stars and count the stars. And when you see the stars as your children... It'll happen. So what happened? He had to get Abraham. Now, this is God who has the power to do anything. But he didn't have the power to help Abraham have a kid with his old wife until Abraham changed the picture he was seeing. And so it's not my prayer. It's the prayer helps me change pictures. So when I change pictures, the picture that my mind holds become my memory. That releases an emotion. And now I get the dopamine and all the feel-good stuff because Mm -hmm. my mind doesn't know it's not real. So you can, in a sense, hijack your mind and make it become what you want. And then you get up in the morning because you've already had this picture and your mind's going to say, okay, here's the new you. So in transformation, I try to tell people, literally, there's another you. How do you bring that person out? You have to trick your brain to break the pattern of this is, we're going to do the same thing Groundhog did. Mm -hmm. We're going to trick our brain and you're going to become another person inside here first. And this is why people talk about vision boards and they talk mm-hmm. about law of attraction, all this stuff. And all that really is, is you're, you're rewiring your brain. And this is all scientifically proven. Yeah, yeah I, I, I know I do too. And I want to just kind of expand on that a little bit. Like, so, and I could see how, and it ties in with weight loss, I think, too. And how you would keep people doing this for the long term. Because I would imagine also with you that, you know, you get people who are invigorated and motivated in the short term, right? Mm-hmm. And then they start to get disheartened when they don't get quick results. Like, for yeah. example, whether it's weight loss or whether it's some, some kind of change in their life. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, we're all honest and we say this takes work, it takes time. But how do you get people to hold on for the long term and just keep going, pushing through when, when you're not getting the results that you want, but you know they're coming if you just yeah. keep going? How do you, 
Get best, through that. Yeah, the best way is you have the person. This is weird now, but you have the person become who they are before they're who they are. Mm-hmm. So we wait until we feel better to be healed to say I'm well. We wait until the relationship's better to say we have a good relationship. We wait till mm-hmm. the kids are getting A's before we say they're a great student. Mm-hmm. And it creates the opposite effect because now my mind is sending these messages to the people in my life. I'm going to talk to them a certain way. They're going to believe a certain thing in this perpetual cycle of defeat. People don't know how to break out of it. Mm. So you you hijack your brain by literally becoming that person in your mind. You actually live that person to the degree that you can in your mind. Now, good example of this. When I was young, there was a the Bruce Lee was was big when I was. When I was, uh, Why are you looking at me? Because you always like, you like yeah, so well, Bruce, Bruce Lee was my, my hero boy. In, in, in junior high school, Enter the Dragon, Chinese Connect, all those. You know, I was in Cincinnati, Ohio then. Uh-huh. And for some reason, they didn't like me at that school because I was from California, right? Oh. And so, uh, but I was taking um, karate back then. And I thought I was Bruce Lee. I didn't know, really. <laughs> Dude, you taking people's hearts out? Oh, let me tell you, I, what I didn't know is I watched, like, Enter the Dragon, I watched 46 times. Wow. I watched Bruce Lee so much, I became Bruce Lee. Literally. I was walking like Bruce Lee. <laughs> this is no joke. And I, I, can, I, can t- I can start right now and do that Enter the Dragon because I watch it so much. To this day, it still has an effect on me. Well, th- so these kids were going to jump me at Cutter Junior High School. Right, just because they didn't like my accent I'm from California. This is a true story. The people, the, there's three of the guys around me, and this one guy, he was a bully. He picked on everybody. Uh-huh. So he came up to me and he said, "Hey, Californian, I'll never forget. He had braids in his hair and all. <laughs> and he had pencil in his hair. I'll never forget this." Anyway, oh when he did this, something shifted in me, and all of a sudden, Bruce Lee took me over. Whoa! I kid you not. And I went, "You." <laughs> talking to me now i'm doing that on my lips because back then i didn't know they were dubbing right. the <laughs> so i thought that's how he talked so i was talking that is hilarious i was doing my mouth just like that you talking to me they probably ran they were, they were like, like and, he's and crazy I, and i went i was pointing just like bruce lee and that's exactly what happened. The guy with the braids is like the leader. He looked. He's like, no. He goes, this dude crazy. Just <laughs> get out of here. And they all walked away. Now, it took me years to put all that together, realize what happened. But I'm telling you what happened, even though they, they thought I was crazy and that we don't mess with them. But in my mind, mm-hmm. I took on this Bruce Lee. Now, since then, some of my mentors and models through ministry and all, I realized I modeled them. And I literally thought, well, what would they do? How do they walk? How do they talk? How do they do this? And you do this to rewire your, your brain, to say whatever that old history was, mm-hmm. I'm going to rewire it, and you take on a whole other person. You become another person. So I always tell people this. If you're losing weight, whatever weight you want to be, to the degree that you could see yourself mm-hmm. in the kind of clothes you want to wear, mm-hmm. the places you want to go, things you want to do, the kind of energy like how and you mo- feel. How you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. The feeling is the most important because if you can add the feeling in there, once the feeling, it's your emotion, and the memory connects, bam, you got it. Mm-hmm. It, it is going to happen. And even if the person doesn't physically see the results right away, they're not going to, they're transformed. The difference between change and transform. Change, I could always go back. Mm-hmm. Transform is a caterpillar turning to the butterfly. 
I love. Oh, that. that's awesome. I've been to I've been to uh, one of your sermons where you talk about the butterfly, yeah. which I would love to, to oh, get back that's to. That's good. Yeah. But okay. something something happened to me like when my sister got in an accident when I was like twenty one or twenty two, and she was in a coma for five years before she died. Mm. There was a part of me that was was gone. And I was in the Marine Corps, so you got everybody walking around, like, yep. not smiling and very disciplined. And so I didn't smile anymore. And mm. so I go to this class in Pasadena, and the guy, we're, we're doing, like, he was a talent coach, and he would also do audio. And so you had a class come in, and so I'm there for the first time. Mm-hmm. Someone recommended it to me, and I'm there. And I don't know all these people. There's a lot of beautiful people in the room. You know, so I'm looking at the ladies going, this is a good place to be, right? <laughs> and so he, they had this audio booth and he would have each person go in and read like a 30 second script. And so each person would go in and then we all go into the room and then he would play it back and make comments. Did we have color in our voice? Was mm. it boring? You know, was it flat? Mm. Yeah. And so it got to me and he goes, here, play that again. <laughs> who, who is that? And I'm like. Oh, no. Like this, I'm thinking, okay, well, I guess I threw that. I got it going on. And he goes, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I was like kind of taken He's back. Like, he goes, did something happen to you? Oh. And um, I was really upset. You know what I mean? I felt I was being attacked and embarrassed. Yeah. And so we had a break. So we had a break, and I remember going outside, and this guy, was he was smoking a cigarette, and I was getting ready to get in my car. I'm like, I'm out of here. And so he started talking to me, and next thing you know, they called, and it was time to go back in. So I was like, man, I should have left. So I go back in, and at the very end of that class, it's like 11 o'clock at night, everyone leaves, and he says, hey, can you stick around for a little bit? And I, I was like so upset and just mad. I was like, I'm never coming back here again. Right. Um, I stick around, and I'll never forget, he poured some vodka. He was drinking, and he goes, he goes, I have an exercise for you. I want you to come back next week, same time. But what I want you to do he says, you have a martial arts school? I said, yes, sir. He says, all day, every day, no matter what you're doing, brushing teeth, saying hi to someone, I want you to smile. Wow. He says, the face has what, 80 muscles, and he's gonna, he says, it's going to feel weird, wow. but I want you to do it. Force goes, you to even smile. when you're driving back tonight, I want you to smile in the car. Like by yourself even, everything. Even by myself. Wow. And so I remember getting in the car, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it, and it felt weird. Yeah. It felt very uncomfortable. And I did it all week. And even after a full week of doing it, it still felt a little uncomfortable. And I went back and saw him. And I ended up doing that for like another 21 or 28 days. Mm-hmm. It changed my life. Wow. It brought the smile back. It brought, it brought the joy. So everything that you said, wow. I went through just with that. And that opened up who I am. Yeah. And now, you know, I look at photos. There's no photo where I'm not smiling. Right, right, right. But during that period of my life, there was no smile. Wow. You know, and, and that was work. It really was that. It was the caterpillar. Yeah. That effect. But I had to go through the uncomfortable right. part. So you're constantly reminding yourself to smile. Yeah. You, you caught was, yourself not yeah. smiling all the time. Yeah. I and I remember yeah. like three or four days later, he <clears> called <throat> me out of nowhere. And uh, he says, you're, you're doing the exercise, aren't you? And I went ahead. <laughs> I did his course. It was a 16 week course. Yeah. Because I felt like, OK, this guy opened up some some things in me and the yeah. smile was back. And because you wow. did it <clears throat> with intention, you did it purposefully is what helped rewired you so you had to force yourself to think on that oh i mean it was tough sure. boy yeah and if that's how we transform anything there's a period where you're very uncomfortable and remember your your program self is going to fight to stay normal it doesn't matter what we're trying to change it's just gonna and it doesn't care if it's good or bad mm-hmm. this is why people who are 
maybe a smoker. A smoker, if they don't know, they say one cigarette, one cigarette cuts five minutes off your life. One cigarette. Something, man, that's a lot of minutes. <laughs> it is. Right? I know. But, but the smoker is smoking because they get this good feeling from smoking. Now, if they stop smoking, their body, the subconscious starts to say, this is not normal. Now, they're saving their life, but their, their subconscious could care less. Mm -hmm. It just wants to preserve what's normal. This is not normal. So it just, it, it fights like it's, it's a bully beating up on somebody. You need a cigarette. And if people don't know how or the dynamics of what's going on there, they yield, they give in or whatever, because the subconscious play game just says, okay, we're going to die. We are going to die. If you don't eat this, you're going to die. Or you don't work out. If you work out, any, you get up today, you're going to die. You're going to, you know, it just tells us all that. Well, yeah. And so you have to, on purpose, interrupt that pattern in the brain and say, okay, I understand. I feel the pain or I feel whatever it is you're feeling, but this is going to be the new me. And you literally got to talk to yourself and stay in the moment. And it's not easy. This is why it's hard for people to transform. Yeah, so for sure. Stay right there. Yeah. Now, Barbara, I, I know you got some questions in your head. Yeah. I have three that I woke up <clears throat> thinking about that I wanted to ask Pastor Lonnie. Okay. Um, so I'm going to throw out one, and I'll give you a shot. Then okay. I'm going to get in my other two. And maybe you have more. I don't know. I, no, I mean, we'll see. Okay. Well, <laughs> something, so when I'm working with clients over the years, mm -hmm. and they're a Christian, or they believe in God, um, I feel like if they can connect with God as they're making this transition— to a healthier lifestyle and creating these new habits, it would, it's like, there's no way we couldn't lose. And in the time when it comes up and I'm working with someone, I will ask them this question. I'll say, so do you have a good relationship with God? And almost always they'll say, oh yeah. I mean, I don't go to church. They'll say whatever, but oh yeah. And I go, <laughs> do you know God? And there's a scripture that um, I think is, is it? I don't even want to guess, but I know you will know. It's a scripture where it says, if you want to get to know God, you mm -hmm. must know his word. Mm -hmm. And when you know his word, then you know God. Do you agree with that? And then what tips can you share to help someone get to know God? Very good question. First, I do think that, um, you know, knowing the scriptures is critical if you want to know God, because in a sense, part of God's mind is the scripture. God is saying, this is, here's my thoughts, here's my principles, part of that. So you got to become familiar with them. But this is going to be a little twist of an answer, because I no longer believe or feel that God wants me to have the kind of relationship with him that I was taught in Bible school, for an example. Hmm. Um I think religion and sometimes church buys into that. And I think religion is something different than a relation with God, by the way. But I think religion sometimes becomes the crutch. And it's easier for me to have a relationship with an invisible God than it is to have a relationship with people that I got to live with every day. So I tend to say, me and God's cool. But God says, we're not cool if you don't love your brother. Mm. God, he, he gauges coolness with him on how I treat my brother, is what the scripture says. So 
I think church people tend to hide behind one relation with God, and God is saying, "This is how you show me how much you care about oh, me." Oh, that's powerful. I mean, man. yeah, yes. different twist. That's a game. I that's a game changer. That. Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, and it's taken me years to understand this the way I understand it today. But it is to me the key to everything. So I try to teach our people now. This is, yeah, we have the private moments with God and what have we, but that's to help these moments so that so that when I'm interacting with people, God's people. Then I'm showing God this, how much I love him. Think about it. Mm-hmm. When somebody deals with your children, I don't know if you have kids. but Yes, okay. I have one. Mm-hmm. Well, let me tell you, I have kids, and I'm, they're all adults now, but let me tell you, how you treat my kids is huge to how I'm going to feel about you. Right. Right? You say something wrong to my kids, you treat my kids wrong, the relationship is it's going to have right. some problems, right? <laughs> right? Yes. So think about God now. Think about God. We, we want to treat his kids wrong and have a relation with him. How many people can treat your daughters wrong and come have a relation with you? Let's go have coffee and then they'll treat Hi. your daughter or your kids. Yeah. None, right? None. <laughs> None. Right. And that's how God is. I believe God is saying, listen, you're spending too much time trying to tell me how wonderful I am, but I'm watching you, how you're treating my kids. Man, my, my I mean, family. that's, if there, was one, that. if there was one sermon that would be the one that's it yeah. isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's it because oh you goodness. have all the references you know treat your neighbor like Absolutely. everything is supporting yeah. that yeah. yeah that is the key mm-hmm. I mean that wow. is like yeah that's a um, <laughs> I mean I, I love how you you just share that because at the end of the day if we're treating everybody with love and, and respect yeah. and appreciation yeah. um, we're demonstrating it mm-hmm. but at the same time everyone's going to feel love absolutely I mean yeah so I grew up in the Catholic church I'm you know my parents are Catholic and um, let's see, without throwing anybody under the bus here. So um, one of the things I used to get criticized for in a relationship that I was in was that um, uh, my relationship with God wasn't as it should be. Mm. And so I guess my question to you would be, because um, I know there are people who can, you know, they can recite scripture back and forth and the numbers, like kind of like you were talking mm-hmm. about. And I think that that's an admirable thing. But I also know that there's those same people that can do that. But as a person, right, how they treat mm-hmm. their brothers and sisters, total jackasses, yeah. you know, with just when it comes to <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah. right? There's, and there's so, an emotion tied in. Yes. And, um, and so, you know, you could see how Work sometimes. Work on that memory, Barbara. I know, right? I got to like, <laughs> got to rewire that. Yes. And so there's a part of, even for me, that mm. oftentimes I, you know, can almost like emotionally react to that. Because I'm thinking, oh, this, this, these, um, has like this, evokes this emotion of judgment. When I know not, not everybody's like that. And so how do you deal with, uh, you know, forgiving when it comes to things like that? Because maybe some people, that's just how they are and whatever. Doesn't mean that that's how you have to be. But that doesn't mean that, like you said, like you don't have to push them out of your life you just have to put them in a different compartment yeah you know like how do you because that's hard because like you feel like they're trying to do good but it's not necessarily good yeah right you know one of the problems a lot of people who grow up with scriptures and jesus was a big proponent of this he wasn't too much concerned about how many scriptures you can quote he Mm -hmm. wanted you to become it Mm -hmm. and jesus himself he really didn't tell people to you know we we want to follow jesus and i get all that and and i understand that but his his message was, don't try to come follow me. Just do what I'm doing. Follow mm-hmm. what I'm telling you to do. Live this out with other people. And a lot of times people will think, because I could quote John 3.16 and all right. these other verses, then I have it. And that's God never looks at that. The Bible says that God looks at, this is very proper scripture. It says that God looks at the heart. And what is he trying to tell us? 
He's trying mm-hmm. to say, what you're memorizing doesn't impress me. I'm looking at intent. What's going on inside here? Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, and this has, it's taken me years to understand what I'm telling you today. But I tell people today that when you're dealing with people, you have to, every human being, don't care who you are, every human being has these invisible buttons that words push. Yeah. Like all of us, there's three things. Every, when, and this is something good to know. When you meet somebody right away, just know this. There's three things every human being has that, that are ready. The, these are the, one of these three things are going to be immediately released with, with your words, depending on what comes out of your mouth. And what releases those in the other person, this is unique how God did this, is not their words, but the words spoken. So when I first meet you or anyone, mm-hmm. you're going to trigger one of these three things in me based on what you say. And a lot of people don't know that, you know, when they talk to people. So, number one, every one of us, everyone has inside of them a coward. We all have a coward. No matter how tough we say we are, something can trigger that coward. Uh, now, we have, a lot of us become tough, so we're not going to show that. But things can trigger that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if a parent says to a kid, you're this or you're that, they're, they're reaching the coward. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stupid. You're not going to be anything. So that coward now shows up. And, of course, the kid doesn't know how to defend themselves. And so now the, the parents wonder, why won't my kid take risks? Why won't they? They, they got all this talent. Why would they go for it? Mm-hmm. Well, because you've always provoked the coward to come out, and they don't know how to do anything else. Mm-hmm. The other part of us that everybody has, all of us, is crazy. Everybody. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Every, I don't care who it is. Right. I, I'm in the store the other day. This lady had to be 80-some years old. Kid you not. Now, I'm standing in front of her. She has a bag. I have one thing in my hand. She has a basket. And uh, <laughs> there's somebody in front of me. And I guess she couldn't see the person in front of me. You know, the guys helped with checking the person in front. This old lady is hitting me with her basket. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, she doesn't see me. The person behind her saw her doing this. So I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she looks at me. This is oh, so funny. God. She looks at me. She goes, and she keeps, she doesn't say what she, and I'm looking at the person behind, this is the lady behind her, is looking, thinking, is this something wrong? We're thinking something's wrong with this lady. And she just keeps pushing like she doesn't even see that I'm there. And the lady says, she goes, get the hell out of here. Just like that. I said, oh my goodness. Oh my and the lady behind could not believe what this old lady said. I'm thinking, what the heck happened? Well, what I didn't know is she put something on the counter, right? I didn't know it was hers. I thought it was, you know how sometimes people have stuff on the counter. Right. I didn't see her put that on there. And I thought, oh, because I, I didn't want to pay for that. So I took it and I put it on the little shelf. Oh. And that, this little old grandmother triggered a crazy. But all of us sometimes get triggered. Mine almost got triggered. But I just thought, okay, let me just let right. this go. But sometimes you're driving, somebody flips you off or say something, without you thinking about wow. it, you shift. <laughs> Crazy wants to show up. And everybody, I don't care who they are, somebody can make, if, if, if somebody approaches you with crazy, at some point you stop rationalizing and then your crazy comes out oh, and say, yeah. okay, my crazy will talk to your crazy. Yeah. And then all of us have a champion inside of us. And that's the part that we got to touch when we're dealing with people. Mm. And so when you deal with, back to what you're saying, you deal with somebody <clears throat> who's coming with this religious front, mm-hmm. there's a reason why. I remember most of the people are living 
history, not destiny. So they're just going, something's telling them you got to do this. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do is break people's pattern. One of the ways you do that is you just ask them a question to get them to think of something different. Mm -hmm. Like when people try to come with me with all kinds of scriptures, and sometimes people don't know who I am, so they want to do that. So I'll interrupt <laughs> them when, when, you know, they'll, they'll tell me about, you know, revelations and how John the revelator saw this and all that. Yeah. And so then I'll ask them something about a relationship. You know, how, if somebody says something wrong to you, how do you treat them after that if they ask forgiveness? So it makes him back up and like, oh, well, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as a, it's a long answer to a short question, but, and I'm not sure if there's just one answer, but I do yeah. know that the key to all of it is not to focus so much on how many scriptures I can quote, how many services I can be in. Oh, I think that's, those things are good. Discipline is good. Just like working out, there's discipline yeah. is good. But at the end of the day, who am I becoming? And so I know some Christians, I would prefer them not to be Christian because they treated me better before they were Christian yeah. now that they are Christian because they, they don't understand this whole concept. They think it's, let me show God how good I am. And God is saying, show me by how you treat everybody else. Nice. I love that. Well, you know, we could talk to Pastor Lonnie. <laughs> I so love we got, it. Because I already know people are going to want, because we've been getting a lot of response wanting us to have conversations about mindset and motivation mm. and oh. mentality. And uh, there's a lot of nuggets that has taken place sure. in our time together, but time has gone by really fast. Oh, no. But I, I do have one last question All before right. we say goodbye. And um, and it has to do with the LGBT Q plus world. Mm -hmm. um, Joel Osteen, very popular <laughs> pastor, mm -hmm. uh, has been given a hard time by certain people. They've criticized him because he's open mm -hmm. for like anyone can come to his church and, yeah. and hear the word. And there's some you know old school pastors that are like, hey, if you're gonna walk that way, if you know what I mean, don't come up in here. <laughs> right? yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and then you know my daughter being in the twelfth grade, there's kids walking around that think they're transgender and. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing and, yeah. and it's been a, I've been learning a lot going through this and interacting and just, you know, very interesting time, you know, with a 12 year old. Um, how do you perceive or what thoughts come to mind? And this, I think you know what I'm saying as yeah. far as like, how do you deal with it and, and teach on it? Well, like I've said earlier, it's taken me years to get to where I am today. And so this may be a little different than maybe where I was 10, 15 years ago. But a lot of times you evolve as you start to grow, you go through things, you experience things, you get wisdom and the insight. And so one of the things today, in fact, in our church, I just noticed this past Sunday, um, there was a, a couple sitting in the third, uh, third row. And uh, someone had told me that they're married. This is the females. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. The question came up, well, how do we handle that? There's someone in our church wanted to know, well, how do we handle this? I said, well, what do you mean, how do you handle it? What they wanted to know is, should we let them in the church? So what they, I know that's what they were really trying to get at. And I said, of course. Why wouldn't we let them in the church? Of course we let them in. Yep. And, well, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to let them in. We're going to do what, what you guys are doing. And they're shocked at me, and some of them that might have, heard me maybe 10, 15 years ago. But the reason for that is because now I understand today more than anything. Now you think about this. What has to happen in my life for me? No matter how you look at it, whether you say I was born with this or something happened, but what has to go on in my life for me to reject everything that's normal and say this is, 
this is what I'm going to call my norm. So I'm already going through enough. I don't need anybody else to help my help me go through something. And then on top of that, because it doesn't matter who people think they are or, or, or who people really are, whatever I think about me, the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, again, we're dealing with where a person is here. Mm-hmm. And so for a person to get to a place to say, this is my new norm, he's already, this picture is in this person already. This is, I'm, I'm not fighting something that is just going to go away like there's no more coffee in the cup. We're fighting a history of something that has neuro, neuro, neural links in their brain. These, these links are there. And you're not going to get rid of it because you say you need to do this or come to the altar and pray. People have tried that all throughout the years. So my point is I've found that the more I am loving and kind and show Christ to people. Now, it is not my job to judge a person or throw them in hell because of this. No more than if somebody came in there high, which we have sometimes in our church. But at the end of the day, Let's just say something's wrong with it. Let's say a person says that. Well, what do I do if somebody comes to my church and he has other problems? What, what makes him right? Do I throw him out? Mm-hmm. No. What makes him eventually comes, come around is I show him love. I show him Christ. Mm-hmm. I embrace him. He learns. He grows. And next thing you know, he comes and says, hey, man, I used to shoot up. I don't shoot up anymore. But what helped him? What helped me get to that point was love. The Bible says it's the love of God, the love of God that brings change. It's not the judgment of God. Think about it. Peter was a cussing sailor, and he was he was just. I mean, you think of Peter was such a undisciplined person, and one of the greatest miracles is when he couldn't catch fish, which is his livelihood. Jesus mm-hmm. said, "Let me go out on your boat." And it, it's, it's not, we're not nothing, we're not catching fish today. Mm-hmm. And he goes out there and Jesus says, drop your nets. On this side, he drops the net and he catches so much fish, he almost sinks his boat. This blessing changed Peter's life because, first of all, his economics were changed probably for a few years. What did Peter do? He got on his knees right on the boat. He says, hey, I want to follow you. What do I need to do? This is, I, I can't believe this. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Had Jesus cursed him, condemned him, judged him, that would never happen. He blessed Peter when Peter was all messed up. Mm-hmm. He didn't wait until he got right. And I think the church's problem is we, we think the church is for people who's got it together, who's already right. Man, this is a boat like Peter. We got people in here that's struggling every day, they're fighting stuff every day. Mm-hmm. Our deal is not to say, get out of our boat. Our deal is to create some type of miracle, some experience that they drop to their knees and say, hey, this is the life I want. Mm. You got enough church today to... That's so good. That's so much... I know. I'm All I can think about is how Lacey needs to... Lacey, right. Lacey, watch this, Lacey. I'll give it our heart. She's sweet. She needs to get it right. But no, I want to thank you. Thank I you know. for being here. My pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, this has been absolutely It's been amazing. great. And, and I mm. want to like uh, definitely do it again. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. We'll, we'll do, do a do part it. two, part three. There you go. For sure. And uh, for those who have uh, tuned in and got to meet Pastor Lonnie, if you live in Southern California, okay... I'm, and I'm looking at you because I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm inviting you to go to, because I'm taking my kids. We're, we're going to Pastor Lonnie's church. Oh, sweet. But if you live in Southern California, the church is in Ventura. Mm-hmm. You know, we provide information for people to learn more about the church. Yeah. And for those of you out there, remember, get healthy, be healthy, and as always, stay healthy. Yes. Boom.
Hello everyone, this is Robert Ferguson and thank you for watching our show. Now be sure to like, subscribe, and click on the bell so that you are notified whenever we upload new shows. Again, thank you for watching.